Hello and welcome to In Lockdown With, a podcast where I, playwright Kieran Fitzgerald, chats to emerging, established and experienced artists in the fields of theatre, film, television, dance and drama, from Wales and beyond, to find out more about their careers and to see how they've been coping during the coronavirus pandemic. Expect laughs, gossip, and an insight into the careers of some of Wales's best-known creatives. If you enjoy this podcast, please like and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Thank you. Hello and welcome to this episode of In Lockdown With, with me, Kim Fitzgerald. Today my guest is Sarah Jones, who is the Artistic Director of Mass who are a youth theatre company based in Amersford. Hi Sarah, how are you? I'm very good, how are you Kieran? Not too bad, how are you? How are you coping with the global pandemic then? Mm. and keep supporting the young people that are part of Mess at the Mess, while also, and this is quite a challenge, simultaneously not trying to take so much on that I find it um, too uh, difficult a time for myself and yeah. my family. quite hard to uh, work surrounded by small people. Yes, trying to get that balance. I, I want to start where I start with, with everyone, really. Um, how did you first get interested in theatre and what were your kind of artistic or theatrical experiences when you were a child and a young person? Um, I think I was one of those slightly precocious children that always wanted to perform. I certainly always wanted to listen to stories. I certainly always wanted to make up my own stories. Um, I was quite happy creating my own shows and my own performances as long as somebody at some point in the day would watch them. Um, So I think those were my really early, it must be something just natural within human nature to want to um, find ways to express the stories that they're interested in. In terms of going to the theatre, um, I imagine my first experience of going to the theatre was going to see a pantomime or something at Loughborough Town Hall. Children's theatre, as it is now, which is something I'm really passionate about, yeah. wasn't something I started to see until I was probably probably about eight, nine, ten, and then it would become the thing that when I was asked if I wanted a party um, for my birthday, I'd often say no, but could I take a friend to the theatre? So, yeah going to Leicester Haymarket and seeing a show called Fat Pig that I absolutely loved, a, a musical, and going to see Matilda there and going to see The Snowman and just thinking that they were the most amazing things ever. Fantastic. And, and when did that kind of translate into theatre and the arts being something that you wanted to do as, as a career, as a profession? Well, I think I always did. Once I realised that you 
had to get a job to pay your way in the world, I think, actually, I don't think it was even about getting a job. I think I always just wanted to, at that stage, I think I thought I wanted to be on stage. So I was always trying to get, you know, decent-sized parts in whatever production I could, mm. whether it was the play or local reviews or, or gang shows or youth theatre. And I used to spend the whole of my summer holidays once I was in secondary school at rehearsing plays to go to the Edinburgh Festival. And at that stage, um, I very much thought I wanted to be a performer, although I did A-level performing arts rather than A-level theatre studies or A-level drama. And all of that course was about studying different practitioners and then creating our own devised work along the same lines as that practitioner. So from the very beginning, doing a lot of devising and doing a lot of directing, I just didn't realise that that was my strength as opposed to being a performer. And and on directing, when did you first then become interested in that? Um, Was it, like you say, was it something you'd been doing subconsciously for quite a long time within performance? sat in the you know the back of the hall thinking when will this show stop why do she not at a beginning middle and end so I think that was my first production and then I continued to devise and direct a lot of work all the way through secondary school without realizing that is what it it was yeah and then to university and I think it was at that point that I realised that as a performer, I'm more of a performer than I am an actress, in the sense that, I mean, I sound a bit big-headed now, but audiences quite like me, they like laughing with me, they're on my side, um, but they don't necessarily believe me. We did yeah. a double-casted production of Midsummer Night's Dream in um, sixth form, and there were two pucks. I was one of the pucks, and Amy Dunstan was the other puck. And her puck was kind of badass and mischievous and, and dark. And my puck was a bit giggly and cuddly. Um, they yeah. were quite different approaches, but the audience kind of liked me. But there's no way they really believed that I was some kind of imp dwelling in the forest. And then when I got to university, I realised that other people really could act and that my strengths lay somewhere very different. I didn't really even have, I'd always had the burning urge and, you know, the fight to get a particular part. And I got there and I thought, mm. this, this, is the, this is my thing. This is not what I um, want to be doing. But I loved all of the devising work we did. I loved all of the physical theatre workshops that we did. I loved working with all the external artists that came into the university. And I was really pleased when I got into the second year and there were finally some second year directing modules where mm. I could start actually make my mark um, on work at university. And, and that time you went to Aberystwyth, is that? Yes. Um, what, how, how important was your time there in kind of shaping you as a director and the the director that you wanted to be when you finished uni? 
hugely for lots of reasons, I think. Um, as I think lots of people are aware, um, I met one of my um, best friends, Perry Wagstaff, then Perry Thomas at university, and we became very good friends, and we eventually went on to set up and mess up the mess together. So obviously it had a huge impact um, on my life. Um, I also met my husband at university, so there was another huge impact um, on my life, and a lot of my closest friends um, stem from that time. So it's shaped me in in every way imaginable because it's my family and my job have directly come out of that world. I also met some practitioners who really shaped some of the work that we've made with professional actors and young people um, since graduating. So we worked alongside a voice coach and advisor called Joan Mills and both Perry and I were really inspired by her approach to devising and creating work as a company. Um, and we studied um, and we were really lucky. There's a company called um, Brief Gore for an experimental Welsh theatre company from the 70s. And a lot of the makers from that company were all lecturing at Aberystwyth when yeah. we were there. Mike Pearson was actually mine and Perry's um, personal tutor, as well as being one of the most amazing lecturers I've ever heard. So, yeah, Aberystwyth was really... And those early collaborations with Perry, were they quite organic? Did you bounce off each other kind of well immediately? Or did it take time for that creative relationship to develop? Um, that was friends that were on the same course. We were never in the same productions. We were rarely ever in the same um, seminar groups. Um, we were always in the same lectures together. and We lived together by the third year. And we didn't start making work together until the third year when we were both cast in Falling Silence, Joe Mills' production, together. And we also started our directing work um, or maybe that was the end of the second year, we decided to be in, e be in each other's directing pieces. And it was on the residential weekend when they were um, doing the Viva, when they were asking the questions um, as to why you'd made the work the way you had. And uh, I think Richard Cheshire said to Perry something along the lines of, I mean, I was awful at that piece. I was absolutely terrible. <laughs> He staged it outside so I could still smoke in it, even though it was to be in a lounge. So we did it outside at night at this big grand house where they used to do the residential courses. And there was a fight scene. I mean, me and Daniel Tully, I don't think he'll mind me saying we were terrible. And when Richard Cheshire asked Perry what she was trying to achieve, I have absolutely no idea. And I'll never direct again. <laughs> I think, well, my piece that she was in, she totally thought she'd forgotten all the lines and that she messed it up. And then a couple of days before the essay was due in, which we both decided we wouldn't do any work on, because what was the point? Because we'd already failed the course. She ran into my room the day before and went, I actually don't think you failed. You need to work on that essay because you have to get 63 to get onto the, the year three courses. Yeah. Uh, so I revised my essay and worked hard, and I got exactly 63. 
which meant that meant that I could go um, through. I'm not well, sure if Perry got sick free, but she didn't do the course anyway. Right. Well. <laughs> and um, how how did you conform math math? Because it started off in slow, didn't it? school to do acting different drama schools and then before or just as I was companies around the country maybe mainly in either education or other roles you're, you're breaking or, up quite uh, youth theatre director roles so, so you talking about forming that's in slow yes and this is a long this is a long answer Basically, I went to Slough to set up something called the After Hours Arts Academy, which was free accredited arts and cultural training for young people aged 14 to 25. Over time, I ended up as the interim manager. I didn't want to be the manager. They said, what can we do to persuade you that you should go for the operations and development manager job? And I said, let me set up a theatre company. They said, that's absolutely fine. You're a young person, we're a peer-led project, so everybody that worked at that centre were of the age 16 to 25 and in their first full-time job. Okay. So they're quite happy for the staff to also be kind of part of the project, so we were beneficiaries as well as staff members. So as long as my work was relevant to young people in Slough, they were happy for me to set up Mess of the Mess. They let me do one or two projects a year as part of my paid staff time, and Perry used to travel down to Slough um, and she was a jobbing actress at that point and work with me on projects and in, in the early days we mostly made professional theatre for young audiences but we also ran um, youth theatre, well not youth theatre, more like um, playing a week type projects with different groups of hard to reach young people. Yeah. We are called Mess Up The Mess because of the fact that we're based in Slough. We were struggling to come up with a name and we were trying to find something that was related to Slough because of the fact that Slough had been so good to us, really, in supporting us in our development. And we found a John Betjeman poem called Come Rain and Bombs and Fall on Slough, Mess Up The Mess they call a town. We really liked the name Mess Up The Mess because we thought it said a lot about who we were working with and the kind of things we were trying to say and the kind of style of our work. And the young people now in Wales, where we're currently based, um, very much feel that it suits us because of the fact that they think we do things differently. And was it important to you at that point to have uh, a kind of slow identity for the company? Um, in the UK and received quite a lot of European Social Fund funding. 
and we were able to access a lot of that grant because of where we were based and also because we were young people and also because we were women starting to get into business and those things made us targets for some absolutely awesome funding that enabled us to start our careers and paid for everything that we did which was just a, a, a huge privilege really fantastic um must must um then moved to Wales. Um, what was the difference that you found between the work you were able to create with the young people in Slough compared to the work that you started to make back in Wales, back in Brennaman as it was then? Um, what were the differences? I think it kind of depended on who the group were. I would say my regular drama group that attended the After Hours Arts Academy at Slough Young People Centre and the weekly sessions in Brennaman, those young people in some ways were really quite similar. They were young people looking for a place to be themselves, to make friends, to express themselves and share their view on the world. And I reckon if you brought those two groups of young people together, other than the fact that they sounded different, and maybe they dressed a little bit different because of their influences. However, you'd probably think they were the same group. What was different is if we were doing targeted work with um, young people, master education, employment and training. Mm -hmm. the, the difficulties that young people were facing were quite different. You know, there were urban challenges for young people in Slough. There was different kind of pressures um, to those that rural young people in West Wales were experiencing. So problems might have been around transport for the young people that we were working with in West Wales, whereas maybe the issues that the young people we were supporting in Slough were more around deprivation. Um, yeah. So yeah, and but there were some, um, there definitely were some similarities in terms of barriers to achieving their potential, and um, being people that the system didn't necessarily believe in or feel had much to offer. Being let down by yeah. the education system was something that both groups of young people had in common. Yeah, and and. It's important for young people of that age to have a place where they can go where people believe in them and where, you know, they're taken seriously. I think that's so important. Yeah, I mean, I, I absolutely do. And I think another difference that we noted between the work, particularly with that work with young people in education, employment and training, was that in Slough, young people with disabilities were much better supported than the young people we were coming across at that time. This is quite a while ago now in West Wales. So quite a large number of the young adults we work with in our early um, apprentice theatre work were actually young people with various different learning disabilities mm. who'd fallen through the cracks of the system. 
whereas the young people we might be working with in SLAO are young people either at risk of offending potentially or who had already entered the criminal justice system. So there were some quite big differences there. And um, how, how do you think the work that Mass does has changed in the last 15 years? I think it has and it hasn't. I think it's very much still about the stories of our participants and it's about tuning in to the stories that young people are interested in and the stories that young people want to tell. What we've started doing more over time is working with writers, which isn't something we did in the very early days in Slough. That's a big difference between our work in Slough and our work in Wales, that we do a lot more new writing work. And we've also been able to fund full professional teams in a different way. Um, in Slough, we were the team, whereas um, here in Wales, one of the things we're really passionate about doing is working with a huge range of different theatre makers at different stages in their careers. But we are really passionate also about giving emerging artists their first breaks. And I think for me, as someone who is a former participant of Mass, working with those professional artists who've come in was really kind of groundbreaking for me to see, oh, you can actually be a writer professionally. This is how, you know, it was the first time I'd seen firsthand you know, of, of the way that playwrights work. And for me, when I used to go to mass up, that kind of made me think that that was something that I could do in the future. Yeah. And that is really important to us, is that idea that we're saying to the young people that we work with, you can do this, and it doesn't just have to be a hobby. You can do this, and this can be your life if you want it to be and there's no one that can say because you're this or because you're that it's not for you it is absolutely for you if this is what you want but i guess also facilitating the idea that you know you can do this and we will give you the tools um you need if you want to do this but at the same time it doesn't have to be something that is that serious for you Finding the balance of both. And that's one of our biggest challenges, I think, because we're passionate about both things. And I think often youth theatres are one or the other. I think often you're a youth theatre that's really into process and the skills that young people develop from being involved in your organisation, which Mess at the Mess absolutely is and is really passionate about. Mm. Or you're an organisation that claims to be a kind of training platform, an opportunity for young people to train and get industry skills. Um, and I would say that we probably fall somewhere in the middle, but whatever, what we totally commit to is the idea that the process should be a quality experience where the young people are really valued and respected and part of the creative process. And then the shows and the work that we create should be really high quality so that when audiences come to watch stuff, they leave realising how much young people have to offer and the young people leave being really proud of what they've achieved. Yeah. Yeah. 
and you're only saying that. Just, um, and yeah, it is a challenge on a weekly basis. How you, if you're going to be a youth theatre like we are, that literally meets every week of the year, other than two weeks at Christmas, <laughs> it's a challenge to continuously do that and also create this really valued, safe social space that young people in rural yeah. West Wales also really um, crave and need. Yeah. Um, absolutely, yeah. Um, if you wouldn't mind, I'd like to ask you a bit about your process when directing young people. And would you use different strategies if you're directing a show uh, as opposed to if you were directing professional actors? It's a really interesting question. And it's one I don't get to explore anywhere near as much as I would like to because we just don't have the capacity to make as much work with professional actors as we set out to do originally. Um, and it's a question I do ask myself every time I get that opportunity. And sometimes I will purposefully, with the young people I work with, um, try a different process rather than the one that's kind of natural to me. The process that's natural to me is very um, Boal-influenced and it, uh, it's got very storytelling leanings, um, whereas whenever I'm doing a piece of text work that I've not been involved in the development of, which um, isn't that regularly because normally we commission new writing, but if I am working on a piece that I've not been involved in, I often think that I should use a more traditional process. And I love that opportunity when I've got the time to do it, of sitting down and trying to put different principles into practice and planning sessions that are really different to how I would normally do something. And then I find myself um, taking the best of both. So taking the best of maybe a more traditional Stanislavski approach and the best of a Boyle approach. And with young people, I think it's very much about finding the questions that they can connect with and creating a safe space where they can experiment with the potential of everything they're trying to create. And and trusting the process so that if you're doing lots of different exercises in a rehearsal room, knowing that the different young people, those will click at a different point and they mm. will provide depth to the characterisation at some stage in the process, even if it isn't immediately. Mm -hmm. I think when working with professional actors, I do use the same process. I mean, I definitely play the same game. Um, definitely play the same games and I definitely ask the same kind of questions it, but it's also about working out what actors that you've got in the room and if they are actors that get more out of playing as opposed to actors that get more out of the more questioning kind of approach I mean I'm much more comfortable if I've got my casting spot on and I've got a room full of people that want to play and experiment than I am in 
room um, of people that want to talk it all through. That's just mm-hmm. not my um, natural strength. But I have um, a couple of times over the last few years had the opportunity to talk and meet with um, Ellen Bowman and think about a more traditional text-based approach to directing. And unfortunately, I've just never done it when I'm actually working on a production. And me and Alan have absolutely sworn that at some point we will make them tally up. And then I will actually be able to put that technique into practice when I'm actually in the rehearsal room. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it's, it's an ever-moving um, feast. But I have had experiences of having more traditional directors in the room with young people and attempting a traditional approach and just needing some support to shift the language so that it connects. I think one thing that I am able to do is find the right questions and the right way of phrasing things. I think I'm a really strong facilitator and I am able to get young people to connect with something even if it's somebody else's approach. So sometimes when we have got external directors in, they still need the support of a really good youth arts worker to enable them to ask the right questions or hit the mark where they're wanting to hit the mark. I'm not sure any of that answers your questions, Karen. Because maybe they haven't had that extensive experience with young people that you have and they need a way in to kind of access what young people's the way in which the young people are going to be coming towards our project, which is different to the way they, as a director or a facilitator, would come to it. And you can kind of see both sides of that coin. Does. Brilliant, thank 
you for that, Kieran. I have to be honest, though, I'm not currently... Sorry, I forgot about this, and I look for your list of questions. I'm not currently the chair of the Youth Arts Network, oh. Henry, because I went on maternity leave. And as yet, I've not formally um, got back involved in the Youth Arts Network. Right. However, I'm a huge um, supporter and advocate of the Youth Arts Network, and it's really interesting since hitting the... Um, pandemic like we have one of the first things i did was reach out to two of the other founder members and um, miranda ballon who is the current chair of the youth arts network uh, i'm sorry and, miranda <laughs> <laughs> and jane boone um who the three of us were kind of instrumental along with um, some other key peoples like um med and um Sherry Parker and Jason Camilleri and Abdul Shayak and Perry Thomas. Um, I'm sure there's people I've missed out, Lynn Carroll. Um, and it's interesting, Miranda and I have kind of, um, depending what's going on in our lives, kind of gone backwards and forwards as to who's the chair and who's the vice chair. I just haven't gone back since maternity leave. But once the pandemic hit, one of the first things I did was reach out to Jane and Miranda and say, well, what can we do as Yank to support the sector? And I think one of the reasons I did that is because this current situation makes you feel isolated. Mm. And it's really important to know that there are other people out there trying to navigate the same experience as you. And one of the things that Yank, even without a global pandemic, does, it enables you to realise that even if you're out in the community working on your own or out in a different bit of Wales, striving to do something that you don't always feel is valued by the sector or even maybe the community that you're based within, there are other people out there doing the same thing that you that have always got your back. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what Yank is. It's a group of people that are advocating for a sector that makes such a difference to young people's lives um, by collaborating with each other, by sharing practice. So at the moment, lots of organisations are trying to get their work online. And I know that all of the different members in Yank would be more than happy to share you know, online child protection processes, um, what do you need to do to explain to parents what um, behaviour is expecting of young people at, um, at sessions online. You know, there's lots of different risk assessments for working mm. online. So there's that collaborating, sharing, realising that you're not on your own, being able to have a group of people stand up and talk to um, funders and decision makers about the difference our work makes to young people's lives and what we're adding to the creative industries in Wales. And we're also there to support artists like yourself that are just starting out as a career, either as a youth arts worker or as a theatre maker um, or a professional artist in some um, area of work, but also wanting to connect with young people um, within their process and sharing how you get started because we know that we all had mentors that made it possible for us. Mm. You know, I was so lucky. My first job was all about learning to work in the creative industries. Yeah. How spoiled was I? Yeah. Um, while being mentored in how to write funding applications. I mean, I literally wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the wonderfulness that was like Young People Centre and my mentor then. So 
Mm. I think that's what Yang's trying to do. He's trying to do that for other people, but here and in Wales. And that's a skill that surprisingly, going to uni and doing a creative degree, they don't teach you that stuff. They don't teach you how to write funding applications. They don't teach you how to do your tax terms, simple things like that. In my experience, I didn't get that kind of, those kind of teachings from my degree. How did, what is this project first of all and how did it come about and in what ways does it differ from the work that MassUp generally does?
we feel that as an organisation we're really quite good at reaching out to people that traditional arts organisations are not so good at reaching out to. Um, so we came up with this project, Amplify, which does lots of different things. One thing is it was providing a physical drop-in space um, in response to young people from the local schools' desires to just have a space where they could go and hang mm-hmm. out with their friends and get on Wi-Fi. So that was the starting point, but we wanted to take it a bit further and introduce kind of creative technology within those sessions and opportunities to meet different professional artists, but not in a formal way. So this was very much about young people having somewhere safe to hang out with their friends and be creative in any way they want, but also do other things that they told us that they'd like to do, like game with their friends, um, just literally chill and stop, but know that they're welcome and get to know the, the art centre staff at the same time. So that was yeah. one aspect of the project. Another aspect of the project is by forming that relationship with young people, they would be able to work alongside the Arts Centre team and Mess at the Mess to programme their own events. And they don't have to be um, arts and cultural events, whatever events that they would like um, for other young people to attend. And then a programme of courses for those young people to develop the skills to put on those events. So marketing courses, lighting courses, sound courses, um, as well as a film um, stream of the programme, which is kind of was partially funded also by Film Cymru. So it's a film appreciation course but it's got a lot of practical elements with mm. masterclasses um, led from industry experts. Now, of course, we can't do some of this stuff at the moment. <laughs> so <laughs> it's being moved um, online. So the drop-in sessions are becoming um, drop-in with different artists from art forms that the young people had expressed an interest in, so spoken word and um, and beatboxing and visual art to start with. Um, we're also continuing to work with the group that were developing events. So there's going to be an online gaming competition. We're looking at there being an online um, D&D and cosplay event. Cool. We did a really successful open mic event, which we're hoping to potentially move online. And I've probably forgotten some things. The film course is definitely going to keep going um, online um, and we will be continuing to link up with um, industry professionals on that and young people will still be running all of those events. We're hopeful that we can get back into the Arts Centre before the end of the project and have a big celebration of the project enable and enable the young people and the art centre staff to think about what next. So I suppose it's different. It's, it's the first time that we've been about working with one venue and supporting a venue to share our practice and our approach to linking up with young people and also the fact that it's it's We've done a lot of work with other art forms before, um, but often when linked 
to a particular message that young people are trying to communicate right. or a, a particular theme that they're trying to get across. So whether that's filmmaking to explore trans issues or songwriting to get across a particular feeling, whereas what we're doing with Ponsteri Arts Centre and the artists there is about creating a youth community and a space where young people feel that whatever their culture is can be part of the art centre. And, and that, yeah. that's really important, as you spoke about before, for them to feel a part of it and for them to feel like they're a part of something. So one of the big things that was happening just before the pandemic is the young people had redesigned how they wanted the toilets to be in Ponsteri Health Centre. And they literally were working with a visual artist, Leanne, and they were literally about to start putting paint on the walls. So um, currently that is on hold, but we're hoping as soon as we get back in that we are going to do that creative facelift and have some kind of live art celebration of the opening of Pontedowie Art Centre Toilets. In um, the toilets. Yes, in the toilets. So who knows what art forms <laughs> are going to happen in those toilets. But we're quite excited about that. And that will definitely need to be um, a live event. So yeah, watch this space to find out how we officially open the toilets at Ponsdale Art Centre. I will. Uh, my, <laughs> my last question is, what piece of advice would you give someone who's just starting out in the industry? somebody who's just starting out in the industry talk to people network show an interest in people's work find your own mentors I think mentors are massively important and say yes to the opportunities that you can afford to say yes to but also recognize that you have got something to offer and people are gaining from having you you know mess the mess is really committed to providing first-time opportunities for young people and i think we're really clear with the young people that come through the mess at the mess journey if you come all the way through you know you start as a participant and then we have our period of volunteer training mm -hmm. And then we have our facilitator training and then we might expect people to do a small amount of volunteering. But as soon as we can, you know, we want to start um, paying people for the contribution that they have. So definitely volunteer, definitely make connections, definitely ask people questions and see if you can get a myriad of people to be your creative mentors because we all need more than one but also value what you're offering as well i think those would be my bits of advice as mess at the mess if there's anybody out there that wants to um learn we would love to hear from anybody and you know we would you know one of my dreams um is to produce work of young people that have come through mess of the mess so hopefully that's something that will start happening more and more thank you very much Sarah. it's been great talking to you it's been brilliant
brilliant talking to you as well, Kieran. I have thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, thank you for having me. It was so good. Thank you for listening to this episode of In Lockdown With. The podcast is written, produced and curated by me, Kieran Fitzgerald. Thank you to all my guests for taking the time to appear on the show. If you enjoyed this episode of In Lockdown With, please consider liking or subscribing on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And I'll see you next time for another interview.